Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Monday. December 13th, 2021, as you listen to this on podcast, if you're watching live on YouTube, it is Sunday night uh, of the 12th. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have dropped yet another game. It's their second in the row. I think this might be first uh, losing streak in 2021. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. No, you're right. Yeah, so there we go. First losing streak of the season comes as they head into the final stretch. Four games to go. They're sitting at eight and five. Uh, they lose to the Cleveland Clowns, who are at seven and six, hanging on for dear life here in the AFC North. Uh, my name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, bud? Interesting day today. Interesting weekend overall. I am exhausted. I am exhausted from driving. Had a long weekend. Went to a wedding. I'm also just exhausted from freaking takes that happened on Sunday. The hilarity is is truly overwhelming. The you know the immediate reaction, the, the emotional drunkenness that occurs. But uh, I'm exhausted. It was a really fun game, considering the state of things, and that I was personally you know in Jersey for a wedding. I was watching at a buddy's house and just watching on my laptop. He has Red Zone on his TV, just one screen set up, and uh, I was like, oh, great. It's 24 to three. Great. This is, this is my life. This is what I have to look forward to. I don't even get to have any fun watching this game. And from there it went utterly bonanza bonkers, bananas life. This and, is what and the Ravens made it as fun as humanly possible. So, uh, I took my pants off at one point. It was just, you know, getting, getting some clothes off, feeling a little bit loose, uh, just getting, getting some air on myself. And, and I had a good time and the Ravens came darn close to another one. So, the grand irony is that they are on their first losing streak of the year and they were maybe three total plays away from winning both of those games. Maybe, maybe four last week in Pittsburgh, they're one play one, one inch away this week. They're uh, maybe 
failed fourth down conversion. Huntley was four of four on fourth down, converted all fourth downs in a row during that comeback, which is fucking nuts to think about. Then, you know, the misplay at, at the end where Denzel Ward comes up, makes a play on Bateman. Probably would have needed, I guess, one more completion to be in, uh, in Tucker time, Tucker town, Tucker range. So a lot of fun there, a lot of uh, heartbreak again. But with the way that expectations were, considering the score of the game, considering Lamar Jackson has an ankle and Calais Campbell goes down, there's no Marlon Humphrey, all those other guys who are already out. Jimmy Smith has his baby. He can't play. Like everything, everything going on was just nuts. And, you know, all, all fun things happened in that, that fourth quarter there. It was wild, wacky, wet, wonderful West Virginia in the fourth quarter so. I had a blast in that. It gave me a little bit of solace. I may or may not have inexplicably raged while watching Red Zone on my phone in the car while driving. The government don't listen to this, but I might have been in a full deep-seated, like, satanic voice rage screaming while idiots are trying to kill me on 95 while I'm just sitting in the left lane on cruise control hanging out. Being as safe as I could, but not to uh, not to put the franchise on Front Street here. But she knows you need to be watching this game. Why is she not in the driver's seat in that situation? Blind as a bat, can't see at night. Okay, fair oh, enough. Little baby, little baby. Okay, just checking. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I might have like used my Satan voice when the forty nine. You know, of course, uh, Brandon Ayuk only gets one point nine feet down in bounds to make it like twenty four to ten or whatever it was, twenty four to six. And just watching the, both of the Bills, who are another AFC competitor that the Ravens are jockeying for positioning with, ultimately, and the Bengals co- furiously come back and tie those games up. I was, like, screaming, like, can't I just have one fucking thing? Like, can't just one fucking thing go right today in football? Like, football gods, are you just going to continue to rain hellfire upon me all goddamn day? Can I have one thing? And I got both of them. So I, I screamed loud enough that John Madden uh, heard me up in the clouds. And uh, is able to to give me a little bit of of ump. I know John John is still with us, but I do consider him the god of all football. Yeah, I weirdly like that's a thing where every couple every couple months, and this happened to me recently. Like you get reminded that John Madden is still alive, and it's just always a great a great feeling for me, a very warm feeling that uh, he is still kind of alive and kicking around. Because John's a legend, great guy, uh, great coach, and it's great to have him. And it's great to be reminded whenever he like once a year does like a segment with NFL Network or something. It's like, oh, John, it's kind of like the is Pat Riley dead yet thing that PMT used to do. Um, exactly. So that's yeah, it's always great. Always great to get John Madden in the mix. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head there as far as the larger conversation that I'm sure we're going to get into six ways to Sunday here is that, you know, tough game tough loss, tough way to lose ultimately in that they were so freaking close. And if they had gained probably 20, 30 yards, they, you got to think they're winning that thing. Um, but it doesn't hurt all that much considering the context of you're missing your quarterback. Um, and that the rest of the AFC North, nay, the entire AFC, as you mentioned with the bills, there cannot stop pissing down their own leg when they get a chance to, uh, kind of get into the catbird seat here. And that, and that's kind of something that reminds me of, conversation we were having after the loss to the Bengals where they're walking into the locker room and singing big trust and they're doing their they're tweeting about do we have your attention now it's like okay well you know this is nice for you to get into the uh, get into the driver's seat here but uh it's not so much fun driving as you well know you learned in the last couple hours and as they learned immediately following that game and uh, as they learned again today because they 
for all intents and purposes, have shown that they do not want to be in the driver's seat, nor do uh, these other AFC North teams who have shown it in other times, and that includes the Ravens to an extent. Uh, I think it kind of did today, but, uh, you know, ultimately they're at 8-5. and five. They're still a game clear of these uh, these other outfits, and uh, we're going to see what happens down the stretch of the season, the quarter pole, as it were. I like outfits to refer to the rest of the teams in the AFC North from now on. Like, this is a... This is like the Eastern European militaries, like the small nations battling each other. Which, each other listen, like if, the Slavias if, and the Croatias and teams like that. That's how I like to think of this AFC North. There's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of movement going on out that way right now. You, you'd be wise to watch the choke points if you're uh, <laughs> if you're a fan of the free world. But continue. It's uh, it's just an absolute seven ring shit show in the AFC North. The Steelers PP down their leg. The Browns PP down their leg against a Ravens team that has every like 15 players missing after having two weeks to prepare for them. Everything, everything going on just truly wacky through and through. We got Big Bob up in here too. Roberto, what's going on? Bob A. Making but, a little comment on the hair there, I see, which, uh, Listen, yeah, why don't, why don't you just keep trying to turn that knife inside of Jake, Bobby? Yeah, yeah I mean, this Jake's, it, Jake's cut looks good. All right, leave my guy alone. Listen, it hurts. All right, it, it hurts, and uh, I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't. The the best way to get through a situation like that, which we're of course referring to friend of the show Pete Gilbert, who's coming in with an absolute unnecessary shot uh, on the hair situation between the two of us. We know yours is better. We all know it. It didn't need to be said, and now it's out there. But you know what? It's okay. We'll we'll live and move on. We'll we'll take our L's. We'll keep walking. We are we are one podcast, one one hair, one brain, one mind. So you're just insulting the both of us. That's true. And it like well, what, where I kind of felt I got looped into a ricochet shot there is that you were tweeting about uh, you were tweeting about uh, me getting verified and followed by Patrick Queen, and then I listen out of the goodness of my heart i go to the Speaking podcast of john madden account. playing god yeah exactly well the the best way to get a first down is to advance the ball past the sticks but yeah like out of the kindness of my heart i tweet from the podcast account at patrick queen to unblock you not only does he unblock you but he follows you as well after following me so you know i was just in you know in an altruistic mood making things happen being a kingmaker and then uh mr mr gilbert uh, just comes in with a sniper rifle and just absolutely uh, plants me on my ass. So, you know, t- tough scene for me there. And uh, a-, a little bit of a tough scene today, but uh, I'm not feeling this loss too hard. And I- it doesn't sound like you are either. To Speaking kind of-, of tough scenes, it's a mega tough scene in Green Bay right now as the Bears go up 24 to 17 on another 75-yard touchdown. So, again, you know, I'm not taking this too tough. The innuendo, innuendo or I guess, segue better said is that like we've just been saying, it's a week-to-week league. There's different guys missing. There's different variables involved, and things play out differently. Lamar Jackson goes down. Oh, well, game over. Guess what? It wasn't game over. Tyler Hunt, how much How much fun was it in that second half? Justin Tucker freaking pings one, freaking Call of Duty snipes the fullback, and Chuck Clark gets the ball back because, of course, Chuck Clark never does anything but play special teams and play every single defensive snap because he's the most Iron Man you know, thousand mile marathon running Raven in the last five years. So it's it's been so much fun to watch. They have had five fourth quarter comeback wins this year, and they've lost back to back games at the end of the fourth quarter after uh, storming back. So it, it's just been uh, a roller coaster. And I guess people 
don't have the cojones to to sit on the ride, to keep riding the bull that is the 2021 Ravens season. So all these takes start happening and all these things and fire this guy and bench this guy. And what is this guy? And what is that guy? And it's the, it's these, you know, polar takes. This is the worst. This guy is the worst. This guy should never play again. This guy should never this, that, the other bing, bang, boom, bing, bong, uh, everything going on possible. It's just like, as soon as it was 10, nothing, I, I think I tweeted, I was like, here we go again. It's going to be a day on in-game Ravens Twitter today. And everybody flips out, of course, despite the fact that the Ravens had no business, not a drip, a drop, or a dime of business being in that game at the end and having the opportunity to drive down the field and Justin Tucker shove a dagger into Cleveland's hearts end season. But they did because crazy shit was going on. And it's like, we can't just appreciate it. And, oh, the last play doesn't work. So we're going to do this whole thing again where the last play didn't work out well for the second straight week. So now we have to rip everyone apart and it's this person's fault or that person's fault or this, that, this, that as if Denzel Ward didn't go make a play as if the Ravens had any business being there, they recovered a fucking onside kick. And then it's like all Greg Roman's fault. So like all of those things, it's just like exhausting, exhausting, exhausting. And at this point, you know, I had someone saying, I don't even read the full tweet. I was just like laughing at the fact that Greg Roman has a, bl- a, a hot read in this route. The very thing that the guys that everybody loves to praise Steve Smith and Dan Orlovsky and these fucking guys. Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner, who, by the way, has maybe the worst movie of all time. It looks like coming out uh, very soon here. So shout out to Kurt Warner as well. I will watch that movie and I'll probably like it, but I'm sure you yeah, will. Kurt Warner, it looks right up your alley. J.T. Sullivan and all these former NFL players. Where are the hot routes? Where is the quick read? Why is no one ready? Why are they running routes so deep? And it's like the most ironic thing in the world that it is a one-step bullet slant. And then Denzel Ward made a play. And I, I, it's just like they did what they were supposed to do. They did the thing that they haven't done, and it didn't turn out well still. And that's what we said last week. This sport is a fickle bitch. It is going to spit on you when you're down, and it will give you your highest highs when it's up. That's the nature of the beast. But entering week 14, they're in first place still. You got Rashad Bateman going for 100. You got Mark Andrews playing like freaking Hades with his hair on fire, dragging four defenders down the sideline, down 24 to 6, and then gutturally screaming on the sideline like Hollywood Brown stealing balls away from people. And there's there they, they had it right there. Like Tyler Huntley, you know, kind of has this propensity to sail balls a little bit. He had Marquise Brown twice Two times. for a touchdown. On that final drive before the fourth down play, Marquise Brown beat his man down the sideline. I think Huntley kind of has, maybe this is just dumb take, but has a little trouble throwing the deep balls to his right side for some reason. Seems We've like seen it like over and over. And like, that. yeah, and like, sorry to cut you off, but we have seen that over and over from him. But like people were calling that first down shot a wasted play. He had three steps. If Huntley puts that remotely where it needs to be, we've seen Marquise die for balls like that before. Like Exactly. He would have laid out like he did in Denver. If he could have, he would have. Um, so they they had those all there. So it's just, you know, <laughs> it's... It's frustrating. It's tough. Again, I've already stood on the soapbox and said, you know, you're not going to win every game. But God, can we not just appreciate how fun that was, even though that, you know, you're a fan of the Ravens and they're on the losing side. Can you at least have a little fun? I think a lot of people have actually started to have fun. I think so, So, too. And I think like a lot of it goes back to a lot of what you're talking about goes back to like the entire 
mentality of this podcast and talking about what this organization does and how they operate and being hashtag process based, right? Is the process good? I think so. And I think for the most part, there are some bad processes to look at. I was talking about a little bit on Twitter today. I think there were some miscalculations with this offensive line. I think it's fair to admit that. Um, I think it's disingenuous to talk, to talk about keeping Orlando Brown Jr., which plenty of people have done. I don't think that was a possibility. They got rid of him. But if you want to have a conversation about, okay, well, maybe you should have done a little bit more to try and replace him. I get that. I, and maybe I'm with it at this point. Maybe you do pick a Tevin Jenkins over an OA and he works out well here better than he has in Chicago so far. Maybe you're able to do something else like that. But they did make some investments along the offensive line. I think Zeitler was a good signing. I think it's pretty much panned out exactly as you would have hoped. But ultimately, you miscalculated a little bit, um, gambled a little bit, frankly, on the idea that Ronnie Stanley would come back and be Ronnie Stanley 100% from the get-go again. Not only did he do that, but he was not able to play this year. And then you really didn't have much behind him, and that creates kind of a domino effect where you have to move Villanueva over, and then that puts McCary and Tyree Phillips and guys that frankly just shouldn't be in this spot into action, and that just hand just completely handcuffs, handicaps, whatever you want to call it, the rest of your offense in so many ways. And I mean, you could really you could paper over that when Lamar wasn't as shell shocked as he ultimately wound up being when. It's early in the season, and you can kind of just air it out to some of these wide receivers that you did invest in, and you did do a good job in in that category. And if we think back to the offseason, what was everyone bitching and moaning about, frankly, myself included, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, offensive playmaker, got to get more exciting, got to get more dynamic through the air, number 32 passing offense, even though that was a stupid argument to begin with. He had to get better there. They went out and they did that. DaCosta prioritized it. We flipped out at him, a lot of people, when he talked about the quite insulting thing with the young receivers. Well, he fixed the wide receiver room, and you know what? It came at expense of other spots, as did other moves that he made. But I think ultimately, it kind of just shows that going all in on one position necessarily can prove to be costly. And I don't even think he necessarily did that. But it just it it speaks to, I think, just a little bit of a team-building miscalculation. And if you want to like go around and play the blame game, I'm not one of those people that does that, but if you want to do that, that's fine. But just recognize when the process is good, and maybe the results are not good, but just recognize when the process is good. And for your own mental health as a fan, recognize the fact that this is an organization that does not default to fire this guy that's going to fix everything. In fact, they don't do that pretty much exclusively, and it, I think it's they're probably better for it. So that's kind of my rant on that. And who fires everyone all the time and never has any continuity? And, and who, yeah, exactly. You're, the Brownies would be one example. And who, these people talking about shut it down, you know, try and, you know, lose and get a better draft pick. Who did that a couple of years ago? This very team that we just played today in the Ravens versus the Browns. And the Browns, they are one of the most talented teams in the league. They are seven and six and fighting for their lives in the wild card playoff spot. And part of that, in my opinion, probably has to go to the fact that this was an organization and a culture. And I like Kevin Stefanski and what they've got going on there to an extent right now. But this was a culture that was built on tanking on the idea of losing games on the idea of we're just going to get the draft pick. Well, ultimately, that's going to catch up to you. It certainly is. But there's just so many positives. Good Lord, Khalil Herbert is just absolutely wrecking the Packers right now, but uh, it, it is. And there's just so many good aspects of this team and the team building and everything, you know, they, they talk about next man up, but it's truly been insane. Um, the, I thought there were some interesting situations today. Chris Westry was at the crux of some plays 
Uh, I think that, you know, he, he had some tough calls, some things that didn't go his way. He got beat a couple times here and there. He gets his pinky broken, comes back in, made some huge tackles on Nick Chubb. The Ravens have somehow just managed to, no matter what, absolutely bottle the fucking piss out of whoever tries to run the ball on them. Jonathan Taylor, they held to 50 yards rushing. Nick Chubb had what, had maybe 65 yards a day, 55 yards, something of that nature. And then what, 20 yards the last time they played. So uh, they've been wrecking shop in that sense. This defense only gives up 17 points today without Marlon Humphrey. Calais Campbell goes down early in the game. He's missed some time lately here too. You know, no Derek Wolf, no LJ Fort. Uh, Malik Harrison was someone that they were really counting on this year and he ended up having that unfortunate situation where he gets struck, struck by a stray bullet. Thankfully, he's okay and everything. But, uh, you know, they bring Josh Bynes back in. Deshaun Elliott is gone. Jimmy Smith isn't there. Like, the only group that has not gone one bit healthy in that defense is, like, the the edge room, which was supposed to be, like, the most uncertain one that everyone was most panicked about. So uh, I really don't think this defense is in a bad place despite all of that, which I think is super impressive. Um, and and really, at this point, you know, I've, I've in the entire roster, Devontae Freeman's done a nice job. You know, Mark Andrews has really held down the tight end room. The receivers look good. Uh, the interior offensive lineman, Ben Powers, hasn't been great, but I'd say that Bozeman and Zeitler are both pretty solid. Their only real weakness is, you know, for, and, and, you know, Lamar going down changes things a little bit. We'll see what happens with T- Huntley is like a full full starter here for at least a couple weeks probably. But uh, it's just those damn tackles, man. They they are so handicapped by having to play against a TJ Watt and then a Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney. And, and I think Alex Highsmith is a really good player too. Uh, next week they're going to be playing against Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, and we'll see uh, whatever is happening with Zadarius Smith. I think, I think he's still on IR at this point and hasn't been activated. But uh, they've they've really, you know, just been handcuffing this offense so much as a quarterback when you know you're going to get pressured. Alejandro Villanueva, I, you know, I think he's had some nice moments and a couple of nice games, but holy shit, he's, he's just been getting rocked at this point. And not only and that, the but... The penalties that he commits is nuts. Yeah, exactly. It's not only that he's not a good enough player at this point, it is the penalties, it is the subtraction from the offense that he is bringing that is just killing them. Like, I mean... They make one positive play. Oh, hold. Guess what? Alejandro Villanueva yet again, you know, false starts, all this shit. It's just like it's adding up so much, and that really is what kills you. Penalties, turnovers, and sacks ultimately are what kill you in games. And it is unfortunate that you lose it by three, and I know the Ravens had a a couple swings go their way in terms of luck. I think the onside kick mostly so, but you talk about two fumbles by Huntley. I mean, one of them was his fault, the one they were where they were in Cleveland's territory, where he's scrambling around a little bit. He could have protected the ball a little bit, bit better. The other one, Villanueva just gets absolutely put into a multicolored, multi-tiered clown suit by Miles Garrett, and Huntley has the ball punched out, not his fault at all. I believe Garrett is the one who picks it up, takes it in the end zone for a touchdown. That proves to be the difference in score. That's what kills you, and that's just it's really unfortunate, but it does kind of speak to the idea of what we've been talking about, about how there's just there is no quick fix in season, unfortunately. It's just not going to happen this year on the offensive line, and uh, that is sort of the nadir of what uh, what we've been talking about with this team for the past couple of weeks. Right. Well, I mean, at the same time, um, I mean, Villanueva is going to keep playing left tackle probably, but being able to see McCary come back to play right tackle with his hand. I don't know what his hand injury is exactly. I, I think I heard it was stepped on. I don't recall. Does that ring a bell to you? I don't, I don't sure know what the hand injury is. Didn't see anything on that. I, I think it said it was stepped on. So I don't, I don't know exactly what the hand injury is. I imagine it's pretty damn bad if, you know, you can't even club it up. But with a guy like McCary who has 
shorter arms, I think that does come into play with with needing to be able to have some grip there and things like that. But right. uh, I mean, Tyree Phillips just not a tackle, and I, I truly do feel bad for him. I think he had a lot has a lot of potential to be a decent, you know, quality starting guard. I think that he works really well downhill. I think he's good in a phone booth. He's a finisher. He has really good hand strikes and placement stuff, but his feet just aren't there. He didn't work out at tackle this offseason, really, you know, all those things. And he's just getting beat like a drum late in the game as well. So uh, I just, and then they don't have Ricard and they don't have Boyle and, you know, Tomlinson's done a nice job, but uh, it's just, golly, if it wasn't for this tackle situation, if it wasn't for the curse over Lando Brown's desire to play left tackle, which, you know, that's, that's his own journey, his own life, but, Man, having to replace both him and Ronnie Stanley in the same season when you expected to have Stanley, and then just the irony of having McCarry be so kind of shockingly effective at right tackle for the first kind of half of this season or so, and then he gets hurt again a second time after coming back from the ankle and he was returning to solid play. It's just like that and the injuries to the cornerback room, which – They've somehow managed to survive this. Like these two rooms are just absolutely cursed right now. So I think again, you got to do everything. You the cornerback room. I don't even know what to say. Like, what you can't fault them for anything. Marcus and I Peters mean, listen. Shout out to Alfie Anthony Averett like, getting that interception and turning the game back into the Ravens' favor. It looks like it was really going to get out of hand there, and he makes a nice play on that miscommunication and uh, gets him right back into it. So it's he like, had some squeaky WD forty hips on that play too. He got speed turned by Landry. Looked like Landry was trying to set up this elaborate, uh, like, corner post comeback. It's whatever. That was such a long developing route. And uh, Averett's speed turn, flipped his hips back around, and then swiveled a third time there. And he definitely has made himself some money. I'd say that the two guys who have made themselves a lot of money this year are Anthony Averett and Tyler Huntley. So those two guys definitely made some plays. Averett had some really nice tackles in this one. Um, it, it was fun to watch, fun to watch Averett, fun to watch Huntley, but you know, it's just these damn freaking tackles and the situation that they have where you go from having essentially two all pro caliber players there, or at least like pro bowl level players there to a, a, a guard playing tackle with probably the slowest feed of any starting tackle in the NFL. And then the anomaly that is Alejandro Villanueva, the six foot nine skinny guy who just gets bull rushed and, you know, is like. I don't. I don't even know what to say about him. It's 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 gotten out of hand. Yeah, it's just it's extremely tough. That's not even like kind of touching on Deshaun Elliott, who I don't know if he brings in some of these interceptions that these other safeties are dropping. I know we had Chuck Clark drop one two weeks ago against this team. Yet Brandon Stevens just absolutely hot potatoing one today, where he gets the first ball. I think pretty much literally thrown right to him, pops up into the air, and then he he kind of tries to make like a diving second effort at, at it. Also very catchable, just can't haul that in. So that's a turnover that just can't be pulled in. And it just sort of speaks to the youth and inexperience in some spots where you thought that they were going to be extremely solid, like safety, like cornerback, like we've been talking about. And uh, it just, it feels like a wash. It's hard to like, it's hard to evaluate this team in some spots. Cause it's just like, man, like this isn't like, this isn't NFL caliber play, let alone like the back half of a roster type stuff. This is not like NFL caliber stuff looking particularly at the offensive line, but like they're just, you know, they just feel lost in some spots. But ultimately, I guess like we're, we're talking a little bit negatively. I mean, shit, man, like they were, like we've been saying, a couple plays away from winning this thing. So if the Browns are going to be like the the team that's sort of on the charge here in the AFC North and the Bengals who 
let one slip through their fingers against uh, Jimmy GQ and the boys there uh, in Cincinnati. Color me not so impressed, if we're being honest. And then there's whatever the hell the Steelers are, but yeah, forget about them. All right, John Wayne and you know, John Wayne and Marshall Johnston and the boys. I think we the can. The villain go- forgets about John Wayne. Usually comes back to bite him. That's uh, yeah, I'm listen, saying. I'm sure I will, and I'm sure he'll be coming into you know armadillo and the okie dokie corral with that that six shooter ready to uh, ready to save the day and then ride off into the sunset with a nice lady. But it, it just I'm I'm done with it. I hate it. I hated it. I I'm just I can't even I can't even put it into words. It made me so mad. All the mythology surrounding this guy going into that game, and it's, it makes me even more mad considering the fact that they're still in the mix. They should not be in the mix. And they are because it's it's a West Mantooth situation with me. I hate you, but God damn it, do I respect you? The Steelers, I, yeah, I respect them the most out of this this group of the other three, if we're being honest. But it just feels like talent wise, it's the Bengals and the Ravens to me right now. There was a comment in I think on a Baltimore Beatdown article that I think Kyle had shared maybe on the main account that said there was a comment from a Browns fan who yep. said something to the tune of that if this doesn't tell you how the Ravens are the better team, then I don't know what will tell you that, considering, you know, that they were without all of those players, considering that the Browns blew a lead, you know, all the penalties that the Ravens committed. And I didn't even mention the fact that it went, Roger, Roger Goodell, I'm talking to you. Are you happy now? Are you happy? You did it, Roger. The Browns won. It took earth, wind, fire, heroin, tar, and acid rain to make the Browns win. But you got it, Rod. You made it a rivalry. You kept it close. You've got four AFC North teams running the ball and fighting each other tooth and nail. And you gave the Ravens the the, the shit end of the stick, making them play Brown Steelers Browns, and the Browns get Ravens by Ravens. South by Southwest. They did it, Roger. You you made it the show. You made it the big time. So I hope that you're happy here. You did it, Rod. You're such a smart guy. And if Tyler Huntley could hit Hollywood Brown one fucking time deep when he has a step, it would have been a knife to your stupid little plot, Roger. It would have been foiled, but no. So it's it's not going to work, Roger. It's not going to work in the long run. Your cheap tricks don't impress me. Yeah, it, they, they finally did. But like again, and to that comment, that goes back exactly to what I was talking about with the fact that this was a team built on tanking. The Ravens might not be a better team right now necessarily, but they are still heading shoulders a better organization, despite the fact that the Browns have, you know, been pretty good the last couple of years. Something that I want to, uh, we'll get into this dumb discourse of this Lamar Huntley bullshit, but I do want to shout out to the fact I'm looking through the, the game book here. The Browns, the Ravens defense played so well today, considering uh, the, that they let the, the Ravens have a, def, uh, the Browns have a defensive touchdown. So they actually really only scored 17 points. Uh, The Browns did miss a kick as well, but that isn't that crazy. The Browns' 10 longest plays. They only had two plays over 20 yards today. They had no plays over 40 yards. They had one play over 30 yards. Their longest 10 plays were of 9 yards, 9 yards, 11 yards, 12 yards, 13 yards, 13, 15, 17, and they had 27 and 34. Ravens' defense stifled the Browns, especially in the second half. Uh, the Browns were able to script like one nice touchdown drive early. I think it was a nice long drive, but other than that, it w- it was delicious, a delicious game uh, from from Wink Martindale and his ragtag group of cornerbacks and Brandon Stevens out there starting. And like you mentioned, that they just 
bing bong, drop interceptions. Every time a ball is tipped and falls in their lap, they can't possibly ever make it turn into a turnover. But uh, I just wanted to, to say that that defense played their tails off. I know that they were getting a little smoked early on in that game, but man, did they buckle their bootstraps up, start hitting. They never let Nick Chubb get out of hand. He had a couple nice runs there, and they never let it turn into, you know, those back-breaking type runs. So this defense impressed the hell out of me today. I think Josh Bynes played really well from what I saw. I think the Queen played well. I think that Nadafe away was setting a hell of an edge at times. So is Justin Houston. And, you know, I hate to be the guy that cries about penalties. Ball don't lie. And it really didn't in this game for the most part. But Browns were getting away with some crazy holds on the outside. Uh, Justin Houston quite a few times. Ties Bowser at one point was like mid-play with his jersey, a foot off of him with his arms in the air, wagging his arms back and forth and still doesn't get a call. So I think that basically everything was stacked against the Ravens defense and they responded really well today, especially considering how the game opened up. So have to give a shout out to that side of the football, to Wink Martindale and everyone on that defense that did not buckle when they were in, you know, in the in the foxhole taking grenades in there and tossing them right back out. Yeah, it's truly, and we we make the Hacksaw Ridge uh, references a lot on here. It, it kind of does feel like that in some ways. It's just like by hook or by crook, you know, they, they find a way to get it done. Maybe it is bend but don't break at times, but uh, ultimately, like, you know, making some of those plays in certain spots, it is very frisky, and uh, you do have to, it's just very much like a kind of a bittersweet tip of your cap type thing. For this entire team, I think, you know, you got to you gotta give him credit. You mentioned Mark Andrews. I think I definitely want to give him a shout-out. He actually got the uh, single-season record for receiving yards by a tight end, I think, uh, for the Ravens today. Is that correct? Yep. He yeah. has the first and third seasons with Todd Heap wedged in the middle now there. So, for, I mean, Mark Andrews, he played his tail off. He's having, Mark Andrews should be a first-team first team All-Pro this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean. Uh, considering what he's done in the run-blocking game, I think that goes greatly ignored and considering the deliciousness that he has put into the box stats uh as a as a receiver and then compounding that he's he's looking like a first team all pro this year yeah and like you know three games to go as far as a 16 game schedule goes four more games for 17 so he's going to absolutely obliterate that record he's been really good this year so want to give him a shout out i mean shout out to rashad bateman we haven't really talked about uh, people complained a lot that he hadn't been seeing the ball last couple weeks. There was a lot of jokes made about Pat Ricard getting the ball instead of him at Pittsburgh, which you can do without what you will. But uh, people got their wish today, and uh, I think they were vindicated in that respect because every time he touched the ball, he looked amazing. Started to make a couple uh, couple chain-moving catches early on that he makes uh, an insane grab um, for what should have been a touchdown to really kind of spark plug this offense, and he makes he another was one. so mad. That, that he he got in that ref's face a little bit, dude. It was and so was like, obvious. Like I saw, I was wondering why they weren't signaling touchdown right there on the field. Like it was the most obvious touchdown of all time. Then he makes the fourth and six. Huntley just kind of throws it up to him. A really good throw, though. Honestly, it really drops it in the bucket. Back shoulder makes that catch down the sideline to keep them alive. And then you know he just he was the hot hand, and uh, ultimately they ostensibly decided to roll with him uh, on that fourth down, but uh, just a great play by Denzel Ward, like we've been talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, that shouldn't overshadow the fact that this guy's the real deal. As much as we want to talk about some of the mistakes the cost has made going all in on wide receiver. I don't think that really was a mistake. I think long-term that's going to help them out a lot. And I think Bateman is uh, very emblematic of that. If he can have a nice off season and uh, hopefully not work himself to the bone and be all tight, and add a little bit more functional strength um, and, and just be healthy, be at the top of his 
shape where, you know, Torrey Smith talked about, you know, don't expect him to be coming in immediately after that injury and playing at a hundred percent. And he talked about how it's kind of taken him a while to warm up in some of those things. Then absolutely. They, I think they knocked that one out of the park. This felt like a, a low hanging fruit in the draft for them that was sitting right in their lap to pair with Andrews and Hollywood Brown. And uh, you, you also have Duvernay who I think has been a really nice piece this season overall and quietly has put up some numbers and had some really big catches and cool situations. Shout out to that Vikings grab he had that had a while ago. It feels like, forever ago where he made maybe the play of the year for the Ravens uh, with that tipping that ball to himself in the back of the end zone. But yeah, they're, they're in a good place and, and Bateman Andrews and Hollywood Brown. We'll see what happens with Brown in years four or five and, and possibly beyond, but a really nice trio for Lamar Jackson. And you're going to get hopefully Gus Edwards and or JK Dobbins back. And uh, the, 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 that's all organic. You don't have to go out of pocket for any of that right now. So offensively, Bozeman is a free agent. I think you want to lock that up. Uh, don't think you want to open yourself up to more turmoil. And if there is any sort of God, then Ronnie Stanley can come back and be a quality football player again, not just for us, but for him more so. And more importantly, because he's a great guy, he deserves it. And uh, he's he's done everything he can to hang in there with this team. You know, it kills him to be out. So hopefully you're talking about, you know, figuring out left guard a little better. And maybe that's Ben Cleveland. And then finding a right tackle and uh, we'll get into all that in the off season. But I, I think the prospects moving forward while injuries do happen and we, it's always fun to think everything's going to be perfect on paper until these injuries pile up. Uh, but it, it looks like they're in a pretty good situation moving forward. Definitely. Anything else before we jump into questions? Uh, no, let's just jump into these questions. I'm sure all of the, all of the crazy stuff is in there. Uh, it wasn't wasn't too crazy from what I saw uh, at first blush here. Uh, I did kind of qualify it like, hey, guys, we're probably going to talk a little bit about Greg Roman. We're probably going to talk about the injury. So let's let's be a little more let's be a little more tactical here. And I think they took my advice uh, and ran with it. Uh, so Lance Reyes, very tactical. How's life is his question. Life is good. Life is good. Shout out to uh, my close personal friend, Marlon Humphrey. Life is good. He hit us with another, what's coffee going to do for a guy like me? A, a little bit of a remix, though. He said, what is coffee going to do for a guy like me in response to a tweet by his sister talking about Starbucks? So that was nice to see, and I just wanted to shout that out. Don't ever drink coffee, Marlo. It's bad for the soul. Yeah. Adam Gardner, our boy. What NFL wide receiver would you guys compare Bateman to the most? Like his style of play, so impressed with him. <sighs> I like Diggs, I think, a little bit. He just has a unique body type. It's like... I know these sound ridiculous, but Diggs and like a little Devontae Adams in there. I, I think Devontae Adams, he, he truly does remind me of. And if you go back and look at Devontae Adams, kind of uh, what he showcased as a rookie, it was it was really special. And I think that the, the takeaway from Tyler Huntley, and we'll get into that Huntley discourse, I'm sure, through this mailbag. But um, and then I see Ridley here in the comments. I think he's a little stronger than Ridley. I think he a little bigger too, plays I think. a little bit more aggression than Ridley. He kind of, but, um, I get some Debo ahead. vibes when he's got the ball in his hands. Like he's a little more violent than I was expecting. Yeah, he uh, he's angry. He can go pluck the ball. He he plays like that uh, with that aggressive mentality, that my ball mentality. And he's shifty, and he's got a little bit of strength to him. So I think a little a uh, little Devonte Adams. That's the one that I see. Devontae's a little bit taller, but Bateman's got really long arms. So that's uh, that's that's what I see a bit, but. Um, just has to, I think he has to gain a little bit more even functional strength. I think you think he's feels pretty weak right now. And today was the first day that he, uh, 
really started to feel strong again. There's a lot of, yeah, there was and still is a lot of Keenan Allen talk. I think Keenan Allen just looks so much bigger in his uniform. Maybe they measure up similarly, but I just think Keenan no, Allen. Keenan's, Keenan's like over two inches taller, I think. Yeah, I think uh, there there is a size difference there, but uh, that's not any sort of slight against Bateman. I think he gets everything that he uh, he can out of his size. He's, he's really impressed so far, obviously. Yeah, and I think in terms of Huntley, you know, throw it up, man. Lamar, when you come back, you got to throw that thing up to him. He'll go make a play for you. You can trust him to go attack. He is not going to let a DB outwork him. You know, not saying every time you throw it up to him that, you know, there aren't going to be interceptions, but that's part of his skill set. That's part of what made him a first-round receiver. So Lamar being kind of unwilling to, to toss up those 50-50 balls and let him make a play, uh, that's, that's why he was a guy who was picked in the first round and why people had a first-round grade on him because he can outclass people at the catch point. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be interceptions this year either way. So just fuck it, throw it up. Uh, throw it up. Cody, playoff chances are starting to slip. Lost four of seven. How are we feeling, boys? Same. I mean, look around the division, man. I mean, the Steelers lost. They're 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. Like I said, the Browns basically had to pull out all the stops and still almost blew like blew this game. They didn't even cover after being favorites. They, so. tried, they tried to lose this one. They, they tried their hardest. Baker like screaming at people on the sideline for whatever reason when they have a lead and uh, they don't have Conklin and Kareem Hunt is now hurt as well and they still play some pretty intense teams. So I'd say the only team that I, I really fear is the Bengals. I think they're the most balanced. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. You know, their run defense is all right. Their pass defense is all right as a whole, very generally speaking. So good Lord, A.J. Dillon just – that's a big man. That is a big man. But – um yeah, I still feel pretty good. I mean, I don't know. I, I think these Ravens are frisky. I think that John Harbaugh is a hell of a football coach and that they're still in a, a good spot. Even without Lamar, they might be able to steal a game here. And uh, I think they're perfectly going to have to beat the Steelers to make the playoffs in Week 18. I think that's how it's going to turn out. Yeah, it's not any kind of like delusion of grand, grandeur or statement on the Ravens like being a great Super Bowl team to say that I'm also like fairly confident that they can steer their ship home and make it into the playoffs, you know. In, in some fashion or another. Um, like I said, the AFC North continues to piss down their leg, and they've got two uh, important AFC North games remaining on the schedule at Cincy, who just dropped a game at home today, as we saw, and home to the Steelers, who I am so tired of. So you got that going on, and then two difficult NFC games, but they're both at home, so who knows what can happen. And none of the teams in the AFC North play a game on their schedule against a team that currently has a losing record, so... Um, it's, it's all tough games for all of them and someone's going to make it. The Ravens are eight and five, so they still have the best shot there, I think. And, uh, we've seen this Rams team look pretty beatable. We've seen, uh, all these teams look beatable. So it's, it's week to week. We're going to have to monitor injuries and, uh, weather and shit like that. And all these variables that, that make it fun. So it is, uh, it's going to be an interesting time. And I think that it, again, it's just going to all come down to week 18 against the Steelers and the first week 18, of course, the Ravens and the Steelers is the last last meeting of Ben Roethlisberger in Baltimore, probably uh, pending some some weird playoff hijinks. But or if or if Ben just comes back for one more year, Ben. Um, but yeah, so exciting things ahead. Feeling good, feeling excited. I I if nothing else, man. Like how many Raven seasons have we watched? I've watched twenty Raven seasons now in my life. Like this is a fun one. I'm having fun. These games are fun. Every week it comes down to the wire. It is fun to watch. Yeah, I, that's probably a perfect summation of why 
it's hard to like really freak out. They're fun to watch. They're frisky. They're getting the most out of their talent, uh, which they are talent poor in a lot of important spots. So that's impressive. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm I'm really not in you know down in the dumps like some other fans seem to be. I feel like it's not as much of a fever pitch as it was last week. I think after Lamar went out, the fact that they showed some fight, I think people are a little bit higher on this team right now than they were after the loss uh, at Pittsburgh. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. Eight and five, top of the division. Ravens fan 101. Uh, it kind of sounds like your alter ego a little bit. Ravens fan 101. Uh, what changed to <laughs> what changed to get the offense going in the second half? And do you think Huntley could be a starter in the future elsewhere in the league? Tempo, 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 tempo. Uh, they had the urgency that all right, it's you know the the twentieth hour, and we've got to got to get going before daybreak. So they picked it up. I think that Devontae Freeman, Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman, just we're fucking dogs, man. Uh, I think the tempo helped and Huntley played completely unafraid and Huntley played, you know, wanting to go give guys chances, uh, got the ball to Mark Andrews and got the ball to Rashad Bateman early and often. I think that there were some nice run calls as well. I think Devontae Freeman did a good job mixing in a little bit. Huntley looked faster than he's ever looked, I think. And not that he hasn't looked fast before, but he was I mean, the one play that I think you tweeted and everybody saw, he 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 dropped Javian Clowney, made a DB like turn their head around as if he was this whirling dervish god that had, was able to levitate from the fucking air, ground. It was like, whew, golly, man, it was it was crazy. But I definitely think tempo helped, and their defense just stood stood tall and gave them the confidence. And and when your offense starts moving and the defense is able to play complementary football that way, then uh, you're 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 confident. And the Browns also are just kind of like mediocre as hell, in my opinion. So uh, they they definitely weren't helping themselves. Baker getting all pissy didn't help. And uh, Broderick Washington absolutely ass blasted him into the earth and like almost ended his life. And uh, they they were just playing not to lose a little bit there in the second half. So it was uh, two, two idyllic polar opposites of playing not to lose versus playing without fear. So I think looking at this comment and looking what you're talking about and what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. So Prospects Providence says, I don't get why we basically have to throw out the first quarter every game with this offense. And that loops into the conversation of why does it take them so long to get going? Well, if you think about the early going in the game, you talk about scripting plays, you talk about thinking things through, you talk about sort of trying to settle into a rhythm that has decidedly proven itself not to be a strength with this team. And like we've talked about when you're not talented or not as talented as you should be in certain spots, that can make it harder to do that kind of stuff. And that can make it harder to play within a structure, I think. So when you start to freewheel a little bit and you start to tap into that subconscious, that's where it gets a little bit easier. And uh, as the game kind of finds its own flow and it finds its own organic rhythm, as opposed to some sort of rigid structure that you're trying to kind of set up and establish within the first quarter, that allows you to play a little bit more freely. That makes things move a little quicker and a little bit easier and a little more organic. That's just sort of my overall thousand foot view on it. But um, maybe, maybe that's an explanation. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I just don't think that they've played freely. I think that's a good way to put it. So I can definitely hop, hop on that. But at the same time, it's like when you're playing these divisional teams, they, the Ravens are the apex predator in the AFC North. Lamar is the apex quarterback in the AFC North. He has a very unique skill set. And again, with being without those tackles and trying to, like you said, script some plays and 
Uh, I think that he's he's not felt great, but he was four for four when he left this game. Like he didn't even have an incompletion at this point. He had a couple of nice runs there too. Uh, they hadn't put any points on the board, but I I think that play calling, trying to set up and peak later in games, is something that the Ravens like as well. So uh, the tempo gets mixed in, all that good stuff. But it's it's just been a crapshoot. And again, the Browns had a month for this. Like they've been preparing for the Ravens since three weeks ago. So the scripting is probably going to go well in the Browns' favor in that sense. 100%. Uh, DJ and K-Show, how confident are you guys going into Sunday versus Packers with no Lamar, just prepping for a lingering issue? Not very confident. Uh, I think they're I, – I like Tyler Huntley as a backup a lot. I liked his preseason. I liked his training camp when I was covering training camp, and I, I liked all of those things that I saw. I like that he – seems to understand, you know, still who the playmakers are. And I like his confidence in trying to let them make plays instead of him make plays, if that makes sense. Uh, put Kind of putting the ball in their court, making sure that he's not removing them from having the potential to make plays by kind of, you know, being frantic or uh, too crazy or, you know, throwing to not to take shots at this guy, but like, yeah, I'm not going to throw it to James Prochet every time. I'm going to make sure Mark Andrews is still getting the ball. Make sure that Hollywood Brown still gets targets. Like I think he does a good job spreading the ball around. So uh, at the same time, I think that we're kind of set up for a grand disappointment here with the opposition knowing that Huntley's going to be in. He does play differently from Lamar. There are things that you can take away. Um, he does have some weaknesses for sure. Deep ball accuracy is certainly a problem. And I think that, uh, they're going to try and kind of counter to that, play inside and and play press. And I don't think that Huntley is as effective of like an option runner at all. Um, I think he does a nice job on scrambles and when he has space and things of that nature. But there, I think I think we're unfortunately set up for a very disappointing uh, game from Mister Huntley in this case, where the Packers might be able to tee off a little bit more than people are expecting after Huntley's had, uh, I mean, a good performance today. But at the same time, like. You know, there was some luck involved. They get the onside kick back, and we're probably talking about a different game if not. Um, there was something else I was going to bring up. Oh, the Bears game. Like, they only scored 16 points in that game against a, you know, not great Bears team. So, uh, expecting like, all right, yeah, Huntley is, you know, going to do this, going to do that. When you put any backup quarterback in that's competent enough, it's always a monkey wrench. I'll say that until the day I die. When you all of a sudden have Tua come in against the Ravens, you all of a sudden have these other who is the other back? Andy Dalton. I mean, the Ravens are experts at doing this. Exactly. Andy Dalton comes in and immediately it's a completely different offense. Um, and and I think that there are elements that are different in this offense still when Tyler Huntley comes in and, and different aspects of the run game and things. But uh, I think Tyler Huntley got underestimated a little bit and uh, you expect him to make mistakes and, and he does a good job, you know, not turning the football over in the air at least. Uh, he's, he's kind of kept the ball out of harm's way in that sense, even though he runs around with the ball, like it's a piece of shit in his hand that he doesn't want to be touching sometimes. So that's, that's definitely a little dangerous, but I like Huntley a lot. I think he's an extremely competent backup, but I, I just think with this tackle situation and I, I, I just think we're set up for set up for disappointment against the Packers a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, we also don't know that Lamar is not going to be playing. So just, you know, let's keep that. If he mind. couldn't put, I'm a, this is my, I'm not a doctor, but I'm a doctor take. Like, I know bad ankles. Okay, I know bad ankles. This you know, you, one same of my thing favorite. with you. You know, you know what that ACL felt like for you. And I'm no doctor, and I'm we're not professional athletes, but whew, 
that ankle really sucked. If, a, if uh, you a, can't put weight on it, a, that stair, that a stairwell, and a stairwell at the a stairwell at the Charles and the JOK bearing down on you at uh at you know 15, 20 miles per hour. Same exact, same phenomenon. Of course, of course it's Jeremiah was. Of course, it, yeah, no, of course it was. We haven't touched on that. You had to put you had to put that evil on us. You know, just absolutely talking this guy down. He's looking like a great player, and of course, he's the one who fucking injures him. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't TJ Watt. I feel like that was that felt like that that was maybe in the air. But uh, TJ TJ Watt is probably furious that he didn't get to tear Lamar's freaking ankle up. Hey, hey, listen. There's one more game uh, left in the year for him to do that. So he, I'm sure he'll he'll be him him and JOK will be trading notes on uh, on how to injure him. So that's great. Exactly, and he just launches himself right into Lamar's ankle. Uh, no penalty, but the Ravens get flagged on that play. Of well, course. that's that's kind of what happens though with these running quarterbacks that come into the league. You know, they they te- have a tendency to get hurt. So maybe, hopefully, teams will see that and then they'll start to plan accordingly for the future and not select running quarterbacks. Shout Dude, out to running Joe quarterbacks like Daniel Jones always get hurt. Yeah, shout out to Joe Banner for a great take uh, on Twitter today. Uh, Baltimore. No one would ever say that about Josh Allen either. That's the irony of it. No one would ever. Josh Allen has like Josh Allen was running all touchdowns and Lamar Jackson in his career. And no one would ever say that about Josh Allen. Nope. And he was running all over the Buccaneers today, and there were no no concerns about that, no worries there. But uh, you know, Lamar Jackson gets hurt on a passing play, and we have to bring that up. Shove it, Joe Banner. Uh, Baltimore Beatdown Podcast memes. Uh, do you guys think that there is anything within their control to prevent this injury bug from doing the same next year? Also, do you believe Lamar Jackson will have trouble reverting back to his poise in the pocket and decision-making once the O-line is healthier? I mean, the O-line wasn't healthy early in the year, and I think uh, you know we've we've talked about Lamar's kind of issues recently ad nauseum of the, the Goldilocks of trying to be too quick, trying to be too slow, but... I mean, I think that there needs to be a takeaway that players need to examine pliability and um, some of the unconventional training methods of, you know, not working to squat 700 pounds maybe at this point in your life, but looking to try and stabilize those ligaments and muscles and unconventional training and pliability and uh, some things of that nature. And I know we had on best friend of the show, Quadri Ishmael, and he talked about, you know, uh, if, if those things are, re- or if those ligaments are responding that way in certain situations, then it's because of improper training and improper like weight distribution and things like that. So I think that they need to take that aspect of it very seriously in their personal off season. I'm sure that the Ravens, you know, training staff does. And uh, again, you know, everybody wants to rip this training staff apart, but they were the most healthy team in the NFL in 2019. And basically last year they, they were just missing Ronnie Stanley. If I, if I am correct, who else were they missing in the playoffs last year? Uh, Boyle. Um, Boyle gets hit, hit in his knee. Okay, he got yeah. his knee blown out, you know, on a hit there. So that that happened. There's the same thing with J.K. Dobbins. Like it, his knee got hit very awkwardly and was pinned down. There's not much you can do there. But I just don't understand. Like I, I don't know, man. I just don't understand. Like why any of like any like making a staff change is going to make injuries go away. Like, it just feels like something that just kind of happens. There's so much variability to it, but... You gotta, um, you guys gotta understand, like, the idea of controlling what you can control. And, you know, not controlling what you can control. And I don't even mean to sound condescending there, because I make that mistake in, in my uh, my own life, in, in many different all ways. All the time, we both do, for sure. It's yeah. controlling the controllables. Yeah. <laughs> well, And listen, Steve Saunders, you know, I, I think we all... 
we all understand that there are some uh, some things with that guy that are maybe a little bit more unsavory. And if you want to talk about getting rid of him for that reason, then that is your prerogative. Um, yeah, Junon actually tweeting about him earlier in the year, which I found interesting. So we'll we'll see what happens with him. I'm just not sure that like you you fire him and all of a sudden that's going to like flip a switch. I think the switch is probably just going to flip naturally. I think the, the luck is just going to kind of bounce back their way no matter what happens at Athletic Trainer. But who could say? Um, who could say? Skipping a couple here to get up to Ryan, who has a good one. Uh, does firing Roman actually change anything? When this offense was semi-healthy, things were clicking great. Seems like the struggles came as more players were lost. Is it fair to let the coordinator fall on the knife when he doesn't have much to work with? So I think uh, that's probably a good way of putting it, that like, well, even when they had only lost like a few guys, you know, when it was the two running backs that went out, and then obviously like you lose Ronnie after week two, they they were kind of firing on all cylinders still, and they've just continued to lose guys, and it's Lamar has been more shell-shocked each week, I think, having to perform behind this offensive line. It was just, just kind of like a slow wearing away of the confidence and wearing away of the competence uh, with this offense. So, like, is Roman to blame for a lot of that? Probably not. Um, but, like, I'm kind of just getting to the point where, and I still like Roman to an extent, but I'm just kind of getting to a point where maybe it's time to just move into a new era. You you know, we talk about graduating Lamar. Shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Bucky Brooks, for that great take. Uh, maybe you do a different type of graduating him and you graduate him into a new era where his contract is going to be signed or close to be signed and you want to embrace a new identity. So you uh, bring in a new coordinator to call different plays and try to get different stuff out of him than you did with Greg. I think overall you're talking about a good four or so years with him and uh, maybe it's just time to try something new. But not like in season, in the off season, I'm expecting it. I, I don't know why they would do it in season. And I, it was just very annoying today watching Roman, you know, dial up his backup quarterback with Villanueva and uh, Phillips at offensive tackle and pretending like the Ravens didn't basically just come ripping through the fourth quarter and pushing the ball downfield and addressing tempo and things. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely had my qualms with Roman in terms of wanting to see kind of them get to the line a little bit quicker at times and, uh, maybe using some screens a little bit more effectively and, and increasing the number of RPOs that they run and uh, doing some things of that nature. But I think he does a great job in the run game. There are so many throws that are there. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, he's not going to call perfect plays. The players aren't going to execute every time. Neither of them are robots. But I, I, after this, I don't think there's anything to be gained immediately um, from that. But in the offseason, you know, it's it's been three years. I just don't think co- coaching is a, you know, high turnover job. I don't think it's very common to see a coordinator that uh, has had pretty decent success, but not a ton stay for a fourth year. I think that, you know, his run concepts are awesome. And I think that he does a good job kind of uh, play sequencing his run. You know, the, the pass is married to it, but you've got urban there. You've had, you got some other coaches. You also have Lamar. You also have Harbaugh, all these people like you can probably steal a lot of his run game stuff and it'll be almost as effective. You'll have that down pat, you know, Lamar will have high comprehension of it and all those things, but uh, just, you know, the, the grass isn't always greener, you know, bring back Mark Tressman and everything, but uh, it's, it's not always greener on the other side, but I just, I don't know. I don't see after this season, him sticking around still. I, I think that, he had no receiving talent in the first two seasons, really, aside from kind of Hollywood who had a screw in his foot and was 160 pounds soaking wet and Andrews 
2019, you know, Hayden Hurst was there. He was all right. There's some other things. And then last year, you know, Ronnie Stanley goes down and uh, Nick Boyle goes down, who's a big part of the offense at that point. And uh, they, they didn't really have that, that kind of third horse. So then finally you go get Watkins and Bateman. And then what happens with Bateman's groin and Watkins, of course, gets hurt, which we all kind of expected a little bit. But um, it, it, you know. I also don't like the part of that saying that there wasn't a lot of talent. They've had a lot of talent in this offense. Gus Edwards is a really talented guy. Mark Ingram, really talented guy. Mark Andrews, really talented guy. Hollywood Brown. I, you know, I liked some guys that were role players in different roles that people have made fun of me for, but um, it's, it's fluid. I don't know. I'm just, there's a lot that we don't know um, in terms of how much involvement there is for Williams and Martin and, and the, you know, level of involvement in, the pass game there and and the concepts and all of that good stuff. But it's just like uh, people say there's no progression, but the, there's a, a comment in here. There's no progression in his offense, but the grand irony is that fourth down play, making sure that there's a hot read in case it's cover zero. And all of that was in there. And that's something that we haven't seen at times. And that's what people don't fucking understand. And that's why it boils my blood, but also makes me like psychotically laugh. He had the blitz beater in the call and anticipated it. And then everybody hates hearing that Ward made a play for some reason. For some reason, an all-pro cornerback, such as maybe, I don't know, Marlon Humphrey, who's probably closed out five games for the Ravens in the last three fucking years. Well, guess what? Denzel Ward is that caliber of player, too. And he fucking came downhill and smacked the shit out of Rashad Bateman and won them the game. So it happened. It's like, I don't know. I just think there's so much irony. And everybody wants, you know, to blame everything on this guy, blame everything on that guy. And the huge thing that always makes me laugh when Lamar was on pace for 5,000 yards early in the season, the pass game is humming. They're having all these comebacks. Oh, well, good thing they brought in Keith Williams and T. Martin. That's why it's happening. That's why it's happening. Well, I haven't heard their fucking names mentioned in a goddamn month. So when the pass game's stale, hmm, it, it, the guy that I don't like is, is responsible for all of the bad things. The guys that I do like or fantasize about are responsible for all of the good things. So it's just the most two-sided, bullshit, childish view that I keep having to hear about. All the fucking time. All the fucking time. Greg Roman isn't a good pass game coordinator. I've never said that. I've never thought that. But there's throws there. There's plays to be made. And guys don't fucking execute. He also calls quarterback draw on third and ten sometimes like an idiot. And I fucking hate that. All the he has time. plenty of falls just like everybody else. But where where's Keith Martin and T. Williams now? Haven't heard about them in a fucking two months. So uh, where where are these saviors? Oh, did he did Greg Roman get jealous? Oh, did Greg Roman get jealous? I, I, I saw that take. I, I, I fucking love that. Like, like people will conjure up in their mind that like, oh, well, I bet it's probably because Roman, you know, didn't look, uh, felt threatened. So uh, he took their response. Like people make crazy shit like that up. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. The, the offense has struggled a little bit. Really for the first time, truly, the offense has struggled because they scored 20 straight points in how many straight fucking games? And so finally, for the first time, it struggled a little bit when you have two dog shit tackles and your receivers are getting banged up a little bit and freaking Lamar Jackson is playing like crap and leaving throws there that I'm highlighting weekly and people are finally kind of realizing a little bit, but it's just that default back to blame the coach, blame the nameless, faceless entity that sits up in the box. I hate him. You know, he's this, this old white man with nice facial hair, like all of these boxes he checks and it's like, oh, well, the, it's not the player's fault. I have, I have a Lamar Jackson jersey. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, so it's not his fault. It's that big dickhead up in the box that I never see, and he doesn't really tell me that much and all of that stuff. So is Greg Roman great? 
Not really right now. Not at all. Is he a good pass game coordinator? Fuck no. He's probably one of the 10 or 15 worst in the NFL at best. But at the same time, they've been successful. And he just had Tyler Huntley, Alejandro Villanueva, and Tyree Phillips have a storm back comeback where they had five scoring drives this game. And his backup quarterback comes in the middle of the game with Miles Garrett running around like a goddamn banshee and lead scoring drives. You know, who was calling the plays? And one play doesn't work at the end of the game. As I said, that has a blitz beater in it. And then, bam, all of a sudden, it's all it's all there. It's all there again. So it's it's just obnoxious. I'm I'm blocking people in in mass at this point because you're you're not you're, there's there's no conversation to be had it's all debate and argument and i'm so tired of that in our society i'm so tired of that in politics and i fucking am so tired of it in stupid football it's just a game that i happen to love very much go off king yeah like it's just a thing where like if you want to have the discussion have the discussion like i think we're both at a point where we're like you know what this is not it's not looking great and like he's not perfect i think we've kind of always thought that he's not perfect necessarily but i think we've liked what he's brought to the table i think on balance it's been a good experience with him and i think ultimately like just think critically about it like if you're gonna if you're gonna bring complaints if you're gonna have questions about what's going on why did he do this that's fine but think critically maybe apply a little scientific method take a look at what is actually going on and try to make a determination as opposed to just basically going into it with a bias going into it with a prior and saying this guy's the problem this didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. So I'm going to blame this guy that I thought was the problem initially. And ultimately, like maybe he's part of the problem, but like to me, it kind of makes me think of like my day job or maybe like my job as a podcast producer. Like I'm certainly not perfect in either of those respects, but like it's almost like at this point in the season with the criticism that he's getting, that's almost, that would be almost like me going into my job and like not being given a laptop and being told like, okay, do your job and be good. And like, be, be perfect, basically. And like, it just, and then you do a good job at your job, and you like barely miss your quota of what you're supposed to do for that time period. You barely, barely, barely miss it. One day you have a bad day at the end of it, aka one freaking play doesn't go well, even though you did what you were supposed to do, and the client didn't want what you fucking brought to the table at the end of the day, and there's nothing you could have done about it. Or, or I do shitty, and it's just like, well, what did you expect? Like, I didn't have a, I didn't have a laptop. So it's like, it's kind of, it, I don't know. It's just like a, a sort of thing where the expectations are, the expectation should, uh, thank you, Mark. The expectations should be probably lowered a little bit at this point for your own mental health, for your enjoyment of watching this team. Like, and that, that should apply to the entire team. But just as far as Roman, like, I just think, unfortunately, we've crossed the Rubicon a little bit and this guy, the die is cast on this guy and it's just never going to change. Like, I, I, I'm just, and ultimately, like, he's going to leave this place and most of the fans are going to have a sour taste in their mouth about him. And I think that's unfortunate. I, I definitely think it's unfortunate. I think that there's been a lot of great accomplishment uh, from a team that was in a funk and a rut and was very mediocre. They're 14 and two, you know, they go to the playoffs again last year, they win a playoff game and, uh, you know, have been first in their division more weeks than they haven't probably. Uh, so Dre, why are they, you keep saying this, Dre, why are they going to run seams against cover zero? What, is there, what, what does that mean? There's man coverage there. You don't run seams against man coverage. I don't know what you, you keep saying that, but uh, I, I don't know. I guess we can just talk about the last play again. Hollywood was there. There was five fucking routes. Tyler Huntley said it himself. Tyler Huntley, the quarterback of the play that ran, the one who knows the offense and did all that, ran the play, said, oh, I saw that they were bringing a free rusher, a.k.a. cover zero, so I threw it to my hot read. 
that was installed into the offense. Hollywood Brown also one-on-one runs a corner route. They made a play. They could have run another play. And guess what? If the Browns made a play and they made a fucking play, they did all of those things. And I know everyone's frustrated with cover zero and all of these things. It's like it has become this point, this point of contention now where teams are running cover zero because they know that they've been struggling with it. They have tackles that make the quarterback very skittish. So the DBs are able to be a little bit more aggressive on some of those underneath things and attack it downhill. Like there's a back end flow that goes with that, with the DBs understanding that, all right, we're going to keep it in front of us. We're going to blitz. And it's just so fucking ironic because everyone then bitches when the Ravens run cover zero on defense. So it's like, uh, it's, it's good when it's good when the other team does it. It's bad when the Ravens do it. Like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Just understand process. Bro, they threw screams, screams, streams when Andrew scored. Seams when Andrew scored. Okay, was that, were they throwing seams against cover zero when Andrew scored? Also, where were they? It's also funny that, like, the Bateman thing, like, I guess he would call that a slant, right, to an extent? It's a bullet slant. It's a one-step yeah, slant. so it's, it's a, a slant. Quick, it's a, and it's that, the quickest slant you can run. I, I think I saw a couple tweets like, why the fuck would you run a slant in that spot? It's like, well, haven't we been bitching about them not running slants and keeping it simple Dan the last Orlovsky, couple weeks? Dan Orlovsky and Steve Smith and all those guys make videos, and they go and say, "There's no hot. where's the hot read? Where's the hot read? Please, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, Spencer, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Fire Greg Roman. And you want to, and you're one of the people that goes in Dan Orlovsky's videos, or in Steve Smith's videos, or in Kurt Warner's videos. Go watch their videos again and see what Dan Orlovsky says. There's no hot read. Who's hot? Turn your volume down if read. you're going to watch it, though, just for your own ears. Exactly. So go go watch it again. Go watch all these little videos that these NFL former players have made and say what is the problem against Cover Zero? It's that there's no one hot, and there was someone hot who had been torching the Browns all day. And I know for a fucking fact, this is why it really burns me up, that the same people who are making these comments would that if the Ravens had thrown to someone else or thrown past the sticks or something like that, would say, well, why didn't they give Rashad Bateman the ball? Bateman was the one that was beating them up. He could have made a play. It just put the ball in his hands. So they put the ball in the hands of everyone who's been screaming into the void about wanting him to have the ball put into his hands. And Denzel Ward, came and obliterated him. Just didn't work. They drew up a play call. It didn't work. Uh, Jordan, taking us away from that uh, that little rant. Uh, do you believe more strongly I should start watching Succession or Formula One? Both of those things. Watch them both. I said both. He came back at me, which you have to pick one. Um, man, that, that race was sick today. I don't know if you watched it, but... Uh, I could not watch it today. Came down to Hamilton and Verstappen, both with the same exact amount of points. So whoever was going to come in front of the other one was going to win. Uh, gets to the end. Uh, there's a safety car with like a couple laps to go. And uh, Hamilton's out in front. Verstappen is a couple lapped cars behind. They let the lapped cars go through. And it comes down to literally the last lap, just the both of them one-on-one. And Verstappen outguns him and wins it. So one of the best, uh, one of the best sporting events I've seen all year. So I would recommend... Uh, I know Jordan's a soccer guy, so F1, it, it kind of compares to that a little bit. You wake up on a Saturday or Sunday morning, and it, you get kind of get going a little bit watching it, so that's great. I think I, he's also talked about succession a little bit and how he doesn't want to watch a show with bad people. Like, buddy, I know you're a big Seinfeld fan, so like, let's maybe calm down with that a little bit. Uh, they're both good. You should watch them both, and I'm not going to decide. It's not for me to decide. It's for you to decide. Then he follows up with a football question. 
How likely is it that they trade Huntley to someone who is serious about trying him as a starter next year? I don't think that's going to happen. I just feel like there's not that many like quarterback openings right now. I feel like most teams in the league are sold on who they have at quarterback, whether correctly or not, which is kind of a far cry from where we were even like five, 10 years ago. Let's just, I mean, Huntley's great. I enjoyed watching him. I think he's a great backup. Let's see what he does in Green, against Green Bay and then see if we're still like thinking that he's going to get a first round pick in return or something or if someone's going to start him. Like, uh, unless you want to go full Seahawks, Matt Flynn, then uh, I don't know, just, just pump the brakes a little bit. Huntley's, Huntley played really well today. He made a had a big drive against uh, the Bears. He's done some great things. He's a nice backup. But, like, he's probably not, I would say his the most similar player to Huntley is probably like Taylor Heineke in terms of like talent and ability and skill. And it's like he could maybe win you some games or like start here and there, but it's like it's not going to be some franchise guy. So let's just just take, pump me a lot of a, a little bit. Hopefully he does well the next couple of weeks. But I, I think just pump the brakes. He reminds me a lot of like a twitched up tie rod, um, really strong arm, but like not super accurate deep down the field in certain spots. Um, athletic can make a lot of plays. Fun, not super like not exactly what you're looking for size wise, but uh, man, he's, 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 he's just like the perfect backup for the Ravens right now. Let's just, let's keep him here. Um, Stewart, not, no question. Just want to say thanks for being sane voices in what can be quite a volatile space in the fan base, especially after losses. Feels like game a lot day, of- twi- game day, Twitter in during game Twitter. And like immediately after is just like, whew, people get jacked up. Yeah, we, we are, we know firsthand what that's like and he finishes out with feels like a lot of fans lose perspective of what this team has to fight against this season i'm damn proud of the team and coaches yeah for sure agreed uh, john john harbaugh is like the i guess the ravens worst loss of the year was was to the to the dolphins uh 22 to 10 and like that game came the dolphins score there at the end but like that one even came down to the wire so that's your your worst loss of the year is by 12 points i mean that's a very basic kind of meta take but He's, he's keeping them close, and if, if you go look at people that are maybe a little bit more removed from this team and what they think about John Harbaugh right now, even after today, like especially after today, to be honest, then I think that's a little bit sobering for, for people who have a lot of takes uh, about, about this coaching staff or whatever or anything because Harbaugh is doing a kick-ass job. I think, and a lot of people are like very down on Eric DaCosta right now, I think that this is showing Eric DaCosta has the ability to get some NFL caliber players that are like fifth on the depth chart and are, are able to get coached up then by Wink and uh, John and John Harbaugh and all these position coaches and guys like that and able to go be in a spot to go win games like that and uh, drag some things out. So very impressed with this coaching staff, very impressed with a lot of the depth players. Like I said, Chris Westry had a little bit of a rough game at times today with some calls and some things like that, but also made some plays. So, uh, watching them kind of go grab him for pretty much nothing, have him go through training camp, and then him being forced to play and, and making some plays is just like really, really crazy to watch. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. Like people are kind of pointing to his draft record uh, for EDC, and I, I kind of get that. But like 2019, you get Hollywood. He's probably the only player of note, but like that's one really good starter, which is kind of all you can hope for in some of these drafts. Then you look at 2020, a little bit more of a depth draft. You get, you know, Patrick Queen. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, um, Malik Harrison, Devin Duvernay. These are all like players. Starting that- caliber, like Devin Duvernay, starting caliber slot. J.K. Dobbins was legitimately like a top five running back last year, top five or ten running back last year. And Pat Queen, who people have been down on, but 
uh, man, oh man, has he been been stepping up? Yeah, like just a lot of really solid guys out of that draft. I mean, this one, this twenty twenty one is looking really good with OA uh, Bateman. Um, OA was a was a really controversial pick. Yeah, a hundred percent, and like and I, he, immediately he, paid dividends, right? And yeah, and he's playing a role that I don't think we necessarily would have even expected, but it's a good one where he's just kind of being a solid down to down player. Brandon, and, I mean, Brandon Stevens is starting, and yeah. like he's he's had some poor moments, but he's definitely made a lot of plays as well. He's better than I would have expected. I mean, I remember when they made that pick, and we looked at each other like, uh, I don't even know who this guy is. So that's turned out to be a gamble that I think is paying off to an extent. So uh, the drafting record, like I think people expect so much out of the draft and we just we kind of have to remember that you're really looking at like one starter two starters at best on average as far as these things go but uh sometimes you get uh sometimes you get like an aussie 2018 where it just completely flips the entire uh trajectory of your franchise but uh that's that's kind of much more the exception to the rule but uh overall i think uh edc has done a very good job so I think we, we can probably calm down with some of the criticisms I did bring up earlier in the show, the miscalculation on the O-line. I think that goes back to him, but uh, just like we saw with the wide receivers, I think when he sees that this team has a problem position that needs to be fixed, he's going to have to, he's going to do what he has to do to get it fixed. Uh, Mitchell White, not a question, but watching Brashad Perriman make a play to boost the Ravens playoff hopes brought a smile to my face. NFL really is ironic at times. Me too. That's the beauty of it. Um, let's see, I'm trying to avoid some of the redundant ones. Tevin Jenkins, two holding calls tonight. So there we go there. Listen, he, he might, he might've been a good pick had he come here. Who knows? Listen, it's just the sliding doors of the NFL, but, uh, yep. That's pretty much all of them. As I, uh, scroll to the top here, uh, thanks everyone for shooting in your questions. Sorry if we didn't get to them. I tried to, uh, I'm trying to like filter through them a little better so we can avoid some redundancies and kind of uh, keep the show on track. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to see that. Do the uh, just kind of do the Kieran Culkin. I love like, I love Romulus shifting as well, shifting around in the seat like oh fuck. And it's just like oh, here's a picture of my dick. I guess I don't know. Oh, Dad. Like, oh yeah, it's just like you know here 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 it is. Do something about it. Well, we run every important newspaper in the world, son. So, yes, I think we invented the fucking words. That was all time. Ah, fuck off. That was all time. Can't wait to watch that. Uh, Hour and 16 in. So I think that's pretty much all we've got. We've covered the game in uh, recap uh, fashion, and then we went through all the listener questions. Uh, I think this was good. I think... uh, Therapy session is maybe getting a little overused with some of these uh, these recap shows that we're doing, especially uh, given that there's only been five losses this year. But uh, another good venting session, and uh, they're still in sole possession of first place in their division. Sole possession, four games to go. This is uh, <laughs> if you think this has been tough, you got to strap on a helmet because it's far from over. So uh, that's the that. What else you got? Buzzing. Thought current, just general buzzing in my head thoughts as we end the show. Ravens will win one or two more games. They will make the wild card. The Bengals will win the division. Uh, Lamar will come back and absolutely beat the snot out of the Steelers in Week 18, if not before. And I think we see the Ravens win one more playoff game this year in everyone's face. And that's that's my current uh, stupid fan psyche. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, I abstain from predictions with this team. I'm done. I will still predict every therapist, game. Therapists aren't as nice as you think, Mark. Have you seen the Sopranos? Yeah, that's actually, uh, you got to be careful with some of them. Some of them will be, you know, just right along the ride with you there. 
Um, but yeah, I, I abstain from predicting what's going to happen. I abstain. I, I well, wash my note. I wash my hands of it, but they're going to go two and two down the stretch. Uh, two and two down the stretch, baby. That's what we live for. Anything else before we get rolling? Fever shot Bateman, no matter what. I mean, I've uh, I've kind of felt a little at times. I was like, all right, relax. I think there was a comment in here that was like uh, he was getting six to eight targets before he uh, got it before Sammy came back, pretty much. But at this point, I mean, he's peaking. You got those three, and you need to you need to ride those three: Andrews, Brown, and Bateman. Let that motherfucker go ball. And that's that's a tough that's a tough trio, man. That really is a tough trio. And so I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what can happen again. You know, people have asked that question. What are you guys looking forward to down the stretch? I'm looking forward to seeing those two first round picks continue to play and uh, away and Bateman and what this offense can do. And it's going to be interesting seeing probably Tyler Huntley start next week and, and maybe a couple more. So uh, we, we got to we got to go full faith in Harbaugh to be able to rally the troops and continue to do so, which he has so many times. And it's going to be an interesting finale here down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, if they win even one more, it basically turns into the uh, if you had told me that X, Y, and Z player would be on the IR, it's, there's too many to even name at this point, and they had a winning season, ultimately. Uh, it's pretty impressive stuff. So hopefully they can get that done and get even more done, but we'll see. Exactly. So uh, speaking of Zuboot, speaking of Romulus's dick pick, go get those Zubu wallets. We've had a ton of orders coming in. I'm glad that people are understanding these things are freaking sick. Like we said, they we don't you know have a, a ton of ad reads that we do ourselves. We got a partnership with our buddy Mike Reed, who is uh, doing great things up in Boston, in Massachusetts oh, with Zubu. Fuck yeah, dude. These wallets are sick. I, ju- I was pretty wasted at this wedding this weekend. I'm not going to lie. And I just love to always pat myself and make sure that I can feel my wallet and I can feel that aluminum sucker right there. So Make sure to go to zooboot.com and use the code podcastbeatdown. Again, that's podcastbeatdown for 15% off at zooboot.com. Put anything you want on that wallet. Make yourself a Ravens wallet. Make yourself a Lamar Jackson wallet. If you're feeling like everybody's talking mad shit about Lamar Jackson right now, people are so insane that they think Tyler Huntley should like take his job or something, go make yourself a little Lamar Jackson wallet. Go make yourself a, a wallet. and Make uh, a fire Greg Roman else. wallet. Get Greg Roman's face with a... Uh, Get a fi- fire Greg Roman wallet. Yep, make that on there. If you send us a picture of that, we will send you some free merch. If you buy a Zubu wallet with the code podcast beatdown, fire Greg Roman wallet, we will send you a free t-shirt or something of the sort. We certainly will. I also saw someone was in here with, uh, speaking of merch, that said they were, were drinking out of the good mug. And I, I hope that those have shipped now. Has, have you gotten yours yet, Jake? The, the, those yeah. orders might have taken a while. No, yeah, I've, I've had it for a while, actually. My parents are getting more mileage out of it than I am. Beautiful. Okay, so the mug should all be out. Uh, had had a couple snafus with some orders, but getting all the merch out. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Baltimore beatdown or uh, podcastbeatdownmerch.com to go get some merch. Trying to get some stuff on there real quick. I uh, haven't had a ton of times. I've been out of town, but I'm going to be dropping some some Christmas merch, some seasonal merch on there for the boys. So support us there. Support us at Zooboot using code podcastbeatdown. And we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. We certainly will. And uh, until then, you can follow us on social media if you liked what you heard at Podcast Beatdown. Uh, you can follow me at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. Uh, thank you guys for listening to another uh, therapeutic recap show. And we'll talk to you again with a uh, Packers preview here, a team that's playing right now, putting it to the Bears a little bit. Uh, going to be a tough game. Going to be a fun game. Back at the bank. Let's have some fun, no matter what. Let's enjoy 
the quarter stretch of the season here. Four games to go. Strap in and let's see what happens. Let's go racing. But until then, we'll talk to you. See ya. Arrivederci. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.